This is the Richfield Branch Library Podcast, a conversational podcast about what we are reading, as well as what is happening at the library and in Richfield, Ohio. You're listening to Jen, Christina, and Mike. We work at the Richfield Branch Library, which is part of the Akron Summit County Public Library System. Get ready to hear unique titles and authors. I'm Jen, I am the branch manager here at the library. Um, and let's see, I've been on a observation kick, observing where you are, being curious about where you live, mm-hmm. um, being mindful, being present. I guess mm-hmm. that's the word I wanted to use, being present. So that's my latest, latest uh, again, breadcrumb that I'm traveling down. Uh, Christina, what about you? Um, I'm Christina. I also work at the Richfield Library, and um, in my own time, I am an artist. Well, all the time, I'm an artist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're looking at your artwork in our meeting uh, room. Yes, I have artwork up in the meeting room, um, which is is such a wonderful opportunity. Um, and uh, it's like really the best when Storytime Moms used to <laughs> will again when our meeting rooms were open <laughs> come out of the room and and talk about the art or ask about um who did it and be able to to talk about it is very exciting so and that's i'm going to talk uh more today about uh my process and how the library factors in oh uh-huh. interesting oh, okay. being an artist and what draws me to the library as an artist Ooh, i like that and uh this is Mike. I'm the adult services uh, librarian here at uh, uh, Richfield Branch. And today I'm going to talk about uh, uh, a history and historical fiction, which being a history major before I was a uh, librarian, uh, it's really close to my heart. And that's the things that I like to read when uh, I don't have to read it. So. Yeah, Mike, you have a past life in the business world, so right. that's always fascinating. But uh. that was that wasn't nearly as much fun as being a librarian. Okay, so. yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> I didn't think so. So what's going on in and around Richfield? Let's see. We were just talking about um, some of our residents are being vaccinated. The schools around us are getting the teachers are getting vaccinated. I haven't heard about Revere, but. So that's, that's what's happening kind of in our neck of the woods. Um, I, I like to talk about what's going on. Let's see, it's a beautiful snowy day again. Well, it's not snowing, but there's snow out. And I'm a skier and it's interesting. Finally, Boston Mills is almost <laughs> too busy. It's too busy. I'm so happy that they're doing well this year. But I think it's really fascinating. Again, I'm, I'm fascinating with places, how um, outdoor, like the ski resorts, have transformed patios and whatnot to get more people outside and uh, so they can congregate safely. So they're using of outdoor spaces. So just something I was just observing, but that's going on in and around Richfield. All right, let's get into talking about books. Who, who wants to go first? Well, Mike, you seem I will, you seem ready. I take off. Uh, <laughs> the, the first book I want to talk about is it's called *The Splendid and the Vile*, and the subtitle is *A Saga of Churchill Family and Defiance During the Blitz*. It's, wow! It's okay. by uh, that's a big <laughs> title, right? It's by uh, Eric Larson. 
Okay. And so after after I talk about this, I'll, I'll mention some of these other books. Um, uh, it pretty much <coughs> covers uh, Churchill's f from his first day in uh, in office as prime minister through the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And there's <clears throat> because this was the um, the 80th anniversary of the uh, the London Blitz. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff about Churchill taking power and and holding England together. Uh, this book is a little more unique in, in that it's not just a a straight history of the time, although there is some of that. Uh, Larson uh, found all sorts of uh, released um, uh, wartime documents that, that had been, um, they were top secret until just a few years ago. Hmm. And another thing he bases his books on is, this book on is, uh, there was a, a movement in, in Britain during uh, the, the first couple years of the war where uh, they gave every English citizen a diary and asked them to keep track oh. of um, just day to day. And now that they're all held in this huge archive, and he was given access to it. So you not only have the story of Churchill and his family, and, and probably one of the, uh, the biggest characters in it is uh, his youngest daughter, Mary. She's uh, like 18 at the time, and she winds up uh, uh, manning an anti-aircraft battalion, which what? I knew nothing about. Uh, but it also talks about uh, gardeners and policemen and firemen and uh, housewives and, and their uh, their reaction to you know getting bombed by the Germans. And uh, of course, it builds up, you know, and everybody calls it the finest hour and, and, and all this. But you get a sense of uh, just how desperate people were at the time and then how much a relief it was when, even though Pearl Harbor was the, a huge disaster for the American military, that, that the English people knew as soon as it happened that the, the war was going to be over. That was, the, that was wow. the consensus. Although at the time, of course, we didn't know that. And I really like uh, Eric Larson's books. He's one of the one of the few people who can tell a, a nonfiction story and make it read like Sounds fiction. Fiction, a yes, and it, They're like page turners. Probably his most famous book is *The Devil in the White City*, which is about the uh, Chicago World's Fair in 1893, the Columbia Expedition. And uh, it was called white because it was all made out of like alabaster fronted stones. And it, it was the first for many things. It was the first uh, uh, Ferris wheel. Um, and th in fact, some of the buildings are still in existence. But at the time, uh, there was a, a, a killer named H.H. H. Holmes. He was the um, America's first serial killer that used the backdrop of the fair to abduct people from this and take them to his mm -hmm. house and cut them up. And, you know. So they're telling the story of, uh, of the uh, expedition and the, uh, the murder mystery at the same time. Mm. And it's just, it's, it's really kind of unbelievable. Um, and uh, a couple of these other books that I have read is In the Garden of the Beasts, which was, um, 
about uh, America's first ambassador to Nazi Germany mm -hmm. and uh, and his family, and just talking about how the uh, things escalated inside Germany as the Nazis took power. Um, Dead Wake is the story of the Lusitania, and that that was really interesting because he tells it. Uh, from the view of the captain of the Lusitania, and then the, the next chapter will be the captain of the submarine that wow. wound up sinking it. So they're going back and forth, and even though you know what's going to happen, you know, you're going, oh, and there's so many things could have changed. It didn't have to happen that way, oh, wow. and it, you know it, it goes back and forth, and uh, so that was very interesting. And then the uh, the last one that I read by him is called Thunderstruck, and once again, it's a, it's a crime story. It's, it's about uh, uh, a killer, uh, Holly Crippen, Mr. Crippen, they called him. He murdered his uh, socialite overbearing wife and uh, <laughs> fled with his girlfriend. Oh. But at the same time, this is when um, a radio was being invented. Okay. So you also go back and forth to uh, Marconi, who did this, and Scotland Yard winds up being able to radio. He he got on a ship, and they, they finally figured out he was on the ship, and they were able to radio New York, and, and they, they caught him there, and that never, he would have got away, you know, if oh, he had done it a year earlier, before there was radio, it would never would have happened. But there's a lot of interesting stuff about the invention of radio, as well as the, uh, this was, like the the O.J. Simpson trial in uh, England in the early part of the 20th century. Instead of a freeway, it's the ship. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, when you first said uh, the Churchill book, I just envisioned a 900-page book, and I thought, good for you. And then you said Eric Larson, yeah. and I thought, oh, that I agree with you. He reads like it's fiction. He really can get you sucked in. So. Yeah. All right, who Who's wants next? to go next? Uh. All righty, thanks, Mike. Um, so I have been thinking for a while about um, uh, cathedrals and stained glass windows, and um, I do a lot of geometric work, and um, I'm fascinated with light and how, like, especially, uh, um, like, iridescent, media or um, <laughs> glitter. A lot of my early work had a lot of glitter. <laughs> I called them glitter pollocks because I was just splattering glitter all over the place. Um, and r really, I mean, thinking about like screens and illumination, because I just, especially when I was first starting to make work, I felt like insecure about the fact that my work was not digital. Oh, okay. Because it seemed like all the exciting thing was happening things were happening digitally and so I think I uh, you know trying to play with light on like static surfaces was something I was really interested in um, and then also feeling like over the last decade how screens have just been becoming more and more ubiquitous every time you walk in a place all these mm -hmm. screens screaming mm -hmm. at you it's true um, and how they went from being square to becoming elongated so I like you know playing with this, I, I still love squares, but I also love uh, playing with, like, turning that 
frame rate on on its side. So and rectangles. So, yes, but yes. rectangles going up. up. Height, okay. Uh, which is more, you know, so like portrait versus landscape. A landscape goes like side to side, and that's, you have two eyes that are next to each other, and that's sort of based on like, it's so you can see around you. Whereas stacked, like two squares stacked on top of each other would read more like person, or like you relate to it more like to your body, I guess. Mm, okay. Um, <laughs> so that's like the, you know, like the art school, the deep, whatever. But I also just, I mean, I, I grew up in a church that didn't have like traditional stained glass. So I just, I remember very distinctly being like 10 or 12 when I, the first time I saw like stained glass in person and just being like, why would you ever not do this? This is so magnificent. Yes. <laughs> like, I just don't understand why you'd ever make a church without, like we could have been doing this beautiful stuff all along. <laughs> We were built, busy building gymnasiums. And like, okay. You know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want, why would you go to church in an office building when you, when you could have be in this beautiful space? And so I've been thinking a lot lately about like where I would want to have a show in Akron. And because there's not a lot of um, like private galleries or smaller gallery spaces. And um, Akron Glassworks moved into an old church building. Oh. From, they were in the building across from Luigi's, um, but they needed more space because they've been doing really well. And so they bought an old church. And so that's really interesting to me as well. Um, in an era where we tear, tend to tear down buildings and start fresh, that, you know, really beautiful buildings, there's just that inherent desire to save them <laughs> and to, to repurpose them instead of tearing them down. Um, so, and they do, they have a sanctuary space that they've rehabbed to be an event space, which is unfortunate timing, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I just remember like thinking like that is the space, like that would be such a fantastic space to have a show. But then also thinking like, okay, you'd also have to put art in there that could hold its own next to this gorgeous stained glass. Mm -hmm. Okay, competition. Yeah, and I kind of and almost like um, I was thinking of it like Life of Pi how they talked about they they used a real tiger sometimes so that the cgi tiger had to hold its own next to the real ti like you had to not be able to know when was the real tiger and like as a, a motivation to make sure that the cgi was really on point okay and sort of thinking about my work in terms of like you know could i go head to head with something i feel is truly beautiful so interesting <laughs> kind of using that as like a, a way to push myself so these are things that have been percolating over the last i don't know two or three years really and i finally feel like i'm starting to pick up some momentum so that's like a, a natural life cycle of a series of work is kind of like you're burnt out from the last series and you feel like you're not doing anything and, but that's really part of the cycle and then you start to have an idea and you're just, you know, mulling it over like slowly and then you become like absolutely obsessed with it and then you start like creating work around it and then you have to be obsessed enough with it to get through the series. Yes. <laughs> so that yes. I, I feel like I can feel myself picking up momentum again, which is exciting. So part of the momentum gaining experience um, being in the library is ordering a ton of books. <laughs> just doing like insane. Yes. How many crates have we unlocked and unboxed of Christina's? They're all really big and heavy. <laughs> you know, my poor coworkers. <laughs> so I've been ordering all these uh, like 
a thousand years of stained glass <laughs> or the history of stained glass, um, all these different books on stained glass, um, which really were just the first windows. So there, there's really not like a moment where, you know, like King whoever in 2000 BC orders the first stained glass window. No, we have no idea when this started. Oh, it was like um, our best guess is that they started putting, like making elaborate, more and more elaborate screens for windows, like carved screens, and then started filling them in with glass, which were not these oh. huge clear sheets of glass. They were little colorful pebbles. Oh. And then they started realizing, oh, if it has more of this chemical or that chemical composition, you're gonna get different colors. So like that blue that you associate yes. is copper in the glass. What? Yes, and the red is gold. It's little flecks of gold, get that ruby red. Yeah, I mean, it's way more complicated than that, but <laughs> but that's what I've been gleaning, pouring over these these books. Um, the ironwork, that, like the structure of the window, uh, is called tracery. So like learning these terms and looking at different diagrams and seeing how, you know, um, in at least in, in the West, like in um, Christian churches, it sort of aligns with coming up out of the basement as they were allowed to start meeting more openly, they could have windows. And so you you can just see it go from basically meeting in a basement to like medieval cathedrals being like the height of, and then, and then eventually of course, like church architecture starts reacting almost negatively to how beautiful and opulent they became. But just kind of looking at, I don't know, like Western culture through this lens of specifically stained glass windows has really been an interesting deep dive lately. So <laughs> that's so your book where is, I'm at. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend if you out of it. Yeah, if you <laughs> aren't up for a deep dive. I mean, if you're up for a deep dive, search Ohio. You just type in stained glass, and you can get from all the libraries in Ohio. Just <laughs> or um, Ohio Link. You can Ohio get university Link. libraries resources on stained glass. But if you're looking just for some pretty pictures and maybe more of a a quick look. Um, I highly recommend this, The Art of Looking Up by Catherine McCormick. It's kind of coffee table sized, um, lots of full spreads of pictures, and she looks at um, like palaces and government buildings in addition to religious buildings okay. across the world okay. and across time, Ooh. but just really focusing on kind of the spectacle of you know, the art, you know, getting people to look up, getting, just surrounding yourself with, with form. Um, so yeah, so some of my very favorites in here are the, um, is it Sagrada? Sagrada Familia. Sagrada, Sagrada Familia. Um, it's the Gaudi Church in Spain. Um, he's, yes. Mike's our world traveler. <laughs> Christina I and never, I have never left Akron. So. I, <laughs> I uh, was never overly impressed with Gaudi's architecture. Always looks so like heavy and um, gaudy. <laughs> uh, um, but they recently put in the stained glass, and it casts just prisms all over the structure. I say, that's beautiful it's there. It's magnificent. It seems light and airy there, well, they're, right? They're still finishing the church. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, they just put in the stained glass like a decade, in the last decade. Yeah, so. They use computers to like help design it. And <laughs> yeah, it's like really fantastic to 
to, you know, see this happening more in a more modern. Well, you talked about that too when you were telling me about this book, um, Legacy, yes. about not maybe not finishing, maybe not seeing the finished product and being okay with that. Yeah, like what what would that be like to plan a project and you know that you're, you know, like the whole point is you're, it's going to have to be finished after you're gone. Yeah. And how do you get people to care about it enough yeah. to invest it at long at, in it after you're gone? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so fascinating. Like all those medieval architect could never yeah. see their, their, those uh, cathedrals being built. So. Right? But, but I, don't, I just feel like there was such a community will... You know, but that was other okay. communities had them, and so I was like, of course you want one. Yeah. Well, there was probably more pride in doing that, too. Like, I'm leaving my legacy. There was pride in that. Oh, right. Versus now where it's like, what do you mean I won't see it finished in I a mean, week? I mean, yes and no, but they're also, you didn't always know who worked on what. Yeah. Like, that's a more modern phenomenon is this idea of it being around my name or whatever. Mm-hmm. So... So that's been just really fascinating to see how my perception of this work like totally changed when they added the stained glass because now the colors in here are just fantastic. And I guess he patterned the structure of the pillars after trees. You so can it see definitely, it. yeah, it, it feels modern. It just is very interesting. Um, another one is the one that is actually on the cover is the Imam Mosque in Iran. And it's just gorgeous blue um, and like you know just scrolling oh it's just lots magnificent. of gold yeah blue it's, so gold. it's like mosaic tile and lots of carved um, it just just really magnificent pattern work and then of course the Alhambra in Spain so I pretty much <sighs> need to go to Spain. Like <laughs> <laughs> when I can travel again, I'm like everything's in Spain. Mike, he'll show you everything. One of my favorite places. Oh, jeez, Mike, where haven't you been? Alhambra. 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 It's in Granada, Spain. So. Which was the capital of Moorish Spain. Huh? Yeah. I just, I love the I love the window screens. I, I want just, that in my windows. You just walk from room to room, and there'll be water features, and then. <sighs> You know, just the ceilings are all like you can see in her book there. <laughs> yeah, so she does a lot of just full page spreads of you know detail book. of the architecture. It's really, really a magnificent uh, resource. And then kind of another surprise, like uh, a more a more modern example, is the Royal Palace of Brussels um, in Belgium, and. Uh, in 2002, they had they installed a new installation of um, beetles. These jeweled um, scarab beetle wings—they <laughs> like encased an entire ceiling, and then down a chandelier in these scarab. Oh, now I see it. Now you can see the wings. Isn't that like the cr- most crazy? So, yeah, it's a really it's a it's a fantastic book in it. She looks at government buildings too, but the pal- the palaces and the the churches and the mosques are really yeah. really something. But some more modern examples too. It's just it's cool to look at it all in relation to each other. Oh, so I find it interesting because on the previous episode, I think Christina was writing down one of Mike's books, and this episode. <laughs> 
Mike was right, you know, we're, we're <laughs> writing down each other's titles and yet we sit four feet across from each other <laughs> and I'm writing down that title. <laughs> I gave this one to her. I remember yeah. when I was true. Five, I said, this is up your alley. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, we know each other so well. <laughs> well, on that same vein of um, looking up, I checked out this, again, I'm on this kick about um, observing, seeing, studying, placemaking. I'm into placemaking, and this one's called Seeing the Better City. Um, by oh, Wolf, Charles Wolf. I had to order it from um, Wright State University Libraries, so it came from Ohio Link. But um, it's, it's more for like maybe urban planners, but I would say anyone can do this. And it's sort of the alley of being like a citizen scientist mm -hmm. and, and observing how people react and use space and how streets re, you know, affect how people use space and how buildings, how close they are to si you know, sidewalks and all that. And just where do people congregate? Why do they congregate? Where don't they congregate? Why don't they congregate? <laughs> there are, so he, basically what he is saying is anyone can do this. You don't have to live in the city. Um, but you start what's called a um, urban diary and you record mainly through pictures. He says pictures tell the best stories, but you can write, you can again take photos, you can record sounds, you can document smells, basically opening up your senses. And um, it teaches you to look around, be present, be mindful, be curious, be almost like a playful, this playful aspect of being a detective or you're solving a mystery, like why is everyone, what makes this work? Why is everyone congregating here? You know, and um, so I find I find that kind of stuff fascinating because I I want to use it in, in my library. Like, why don't people congregate here? Or what can I do to change it? Or how how can I learn from the outdoor environment to bring that in and and get people to to congregate here? And it, it, well, during this time, six feet apart, social distance, but. Um, one of the other things he said is to create an urban bookmark, which basically you you know just document five or so photos, and you just, it represents like your town. Like mm. you, like if you were presenting this to a visitor, this is what you would highlight as good places or or bad places. But I just I just like the looking, the exploring. It, it gets you to explore your city. He's like, just go out and start taking a walk. Just walk. Just go. Um, and then you just summarize what you see. And I, I just like this also, this whole thing about being just present in the moment, documenting the moment. And it kind of goes back to the book you brought up, Mike, about the diaries during the war. I mean, look at how precious those are now. So. Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't know that they had done that. I, I didn't, I, the first <laughs> I heard so about it was when they were yeah. talking about the, the, the project. Uh, and I, I guess everybody got their own little thing. You know, of course, lots of people didn't do it, but uh, <laughs> uh, enough of them did that they, they created this whole archive of them. Hmm. Well, just real quick, if I can just talk about a second book I wanted to tie in. Um, so I've been thinking again about spaces, and I, I, I w I'm curious about story walk tours or museum tours and how do they engage people or... Um, I do a lot of research with museums, but I'm curious about 
getting people, again, to immerse themselves in, a, in an environment where they live and maybe doing that through, through like a, a recorded tour or something. And I thought, how can I do that here in Richfield where people just walk around Richfield? Because there's a lot of historical buildings around here and maybe somehow immerse them into the past and present of this building somehow. But I somehow came across a book called the Walk Book, and it's by an artist, Jane, Janet, pardon me, Janet Cardiff. And she has a partner who helps her with this project, George Burrs Miller. And they do um, artwork in which they use technology. She gets you out into the city. She, she does a walking tour. But again, it's art. And she immerses the reality and almost like a non-reality. So she first goes out into the city and she like documents like a story, this weird story. Could, you know, you're on a mission or I'm trying to explain it better, but she records it first and then she saves it and then you go out in the city and, and you could be looking at something totally different or so you could be hearing sounds that she heard, but they're not there when you're actually walking through the city or she's recording things like she does one on an iPad where you take out the iPad and you're, you're seeing things that aren't really there. So your eyes are trying to discern like what is reality and what is not reality because you're holding this device and she's putting on almost like a production in the space that you're really looking at. But then the peripheral vision nothing is going on <laughs> or different things are going on if that makes yes. sense somebody else is walking walking by and, yeah. hearing, and there's voices here or and they're not around you or she'll do this one where you hear men walking behind you and then you know almost like a paranoia and then you keep turning around there's no one there <laughs> um so and it, it, what i loved about this book is that she walked you through almost the process it's almost like she gave away her secret of how she did it so she says, you know, when I walk through, it takes me, this is like weeks worth of walking around, studying my pacing. So yeah. everyone follows my pace and the stops that I take are pretty on par to the stops that, you know, the, that you would take. So the distance matches up. Like, you know, my husband is a fast walker. So how do you make it jar? How do you make her reality jar with the, <laughs> the present reality? Um, she talks about, how many um, tracks of audio she has for uh, uh, one particular project. It could be 18 tracks are merged to make this production happen. So it's, for me, it's like, oh, this is not easy. It looks easy. Doesn't, isn't that art? It looks easy. But when you look at the planning and the creativity they had it go into making this real that's what that that's what i'm fascinating i'm fascinated about and she always starts her walks with like follow me come join me and how psychologically you're she makes you she pulls you into her environment with how she phrases certain words come join me come walk with me and so people trust you're walking around new york central park and she's saying walk with me, trust me, come go on this journey, and, and everyone does it. And I just thought that's, that's fascinating. So if you want to see which one, what one looks like, 
So there's one that's called Nightwalk for Edinburgh, and that's, uh, that's, you can pull that up right away and kind of see what this looks like. Um, if you're curious, she did one in, in a library. <laughs> so that one's called In Real Time, and it's the Carnegie Library in Pittsburgh. So that one's fascinating. And her website is cardiffmiller.com slash walks. And that's C-A-R-D-I-F-F. And you can see what these walks look like. But long story short, it's not something I don't think I can do anytime soon. <laughs> I don't know. I really have to study how to hack that to make it. Yeah, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work. She, sh she gets shared like her interpretive scripts. dancers and so yeah. yeah I mean, you're staging State. quite the performance. But you're right. I mean, that it, something like that right now is just so fantastic because people could do it on their own. Yes. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. The one she recorded, like in, the one you walk around New York, she recorded a, a gospel choir. So when you walk past <laughs> the church, so cool. it, it's, the timing is for you hear the gospel choir. That's very cool. <laughs> so a lot of work. And, uh, speaking of walks, uh, the Richfield Historical Society is going to have their walk this year. And the library is going to be one of the stops on the on the walk. Oh, so now I because have to do this. I know there's there, <laughs> because we're one of the few places that are fully open uh, for people wearing masks. So, but I spoke to Linda yesterday, and they just wanted to make sure that we were open. I said, "Well, we can only handle 40 people at a time." Oh. <laughs> so, what's it called? It's called binary. Binarial, binarial recordings. That's how you get the surround sound. Oh, I have to learn how to do that. She walked around with a mannequin head, and somehow attached recording. Well, I mean, it's so we talk about this a microphones lot. Microphones to Cupcakes, it. Cupcakes, not wedding cakes. Oh, that's okay. You gotta. What uh, would be like the most scaled back version we could so try true. out? Okay. And then try to do. I mean, really try to do it. Like. Okay. Soon. <laughs> I'm motivated. I just, then, I just have this big up. smile yeah. on my face. I'm like, oh, you're right. Don't get discouraged. How can you make this work? Let's hack this. Right. Yeah, because I do. I think there's real potential there for right now. Oh, but it's just like I'm excited. It's a lot of. Work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. I know. The way she did hers was a lot of work, but that doesn't mean we couldn't do one that's less elaborate and still engaging for people. All right, that's what I'm working on for next time. I, oh, okay, I, there's a spark here. All right, well, we talked for a long time about this one. Real quick, let's recap, and then we'll yes. have Christina close us out for this episode. This has been fantastic. All right, Mike, you were first. Yeah, recap? I, I, uh, I talked about uh, The Splendid and the Vile by Eric Larson. It's the saga of Churchill family and defiance during the Blitz. I talked about The Art of Looking Up by Catherine McCormick. And I talked about Seeing the Better City, How to Explore, Observe, and Improve Urban Space by Charles Wolfe, as well as The Walk Book, uh, again from Ohio Link, uh, by Janet Cardiff. It comes with a CD. I had to put that in there. All right. The Richfield Branch Library podcast is recorded in Richfield, Ohio. We are a branch of the Akron Summit County Public Library. Our theme music is available through a Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive. It's by the artist Scan Globe. All right, thank you, everyone. See you next time. Bye bye.